GM, and welcome to episode six of Probably Nothing. I'm TZ, CEO of Islands, and together with my co-host Alexis Ohanian, we're uncovering how NFTs and Web3 are changing community, commerce, and content online by talking directly with the people building in the space. Our guest today is Bobby Hundreds, co-founder and creator of the streetwear brand The Hundreds. The Hundreds was founded in 2003, and in 2011, it was named as the fifth greatest streetwear brand ever by Complex Magazine. Bobby is not only a successful creator and entrepreneur, but he's also an incredible writer, thinker, and community builder. His book, This Is Not a T-Shirt, and essays on a variety of topics are extremely thoughtful observations about community, culture, and other trends that shape our world. Earlier this year, Bobby and his partners from the hundreds launched the Atom Bomb Squad project, which has traded over 12,000 ETH worth of NFTs to date, making it one of the most successful NFT projects out there. We wanted to sit down with Bobby because he is one of the few people who has been able to successfully bridge the gap through Web 1, Web 2, and Web 3. He brings a wealth of knowledge about building community and pioneering new trends as he's done for his whole career. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and share this on social media to help others learn more about Web 3. Feel free to tag me at Tzong and at Alexis Ohanian. I hope you enjoy this conversation with the one and only Bobby Hundreds. Well, we're excited to have you here. Welcome to episode six with the one and only Bobby Hundreds. Here, here. Uh, it is I. Yeah. Do you want to introduce yourself? I mean, we, we know a little bit about you or a lot, actually, but... Um, <laughs> a lot. Don't be yourself? weirded out. We know a lot. <laughs> wow. That wasn't creepy at all, Alexis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I was, that's what I was going for. Um, I don't know. Where do I begin? I don't know. What, who am I? What are, who are we? Who, who mm. are we anymore? What it's is this? Profound. Right, because how I would have answered this question a year ago before NFTs, right? And before all this, like that would have been a completely different answer. Um, so now with NFTs, what's the, what's the, what's the new answer? Well, I mean, I guess it's still, I, I, as far as me being an artist an illustrator, writer, streetwear guy, uh, author, I'm still all those things, but, um, I don't know what my job is anymore. And it's hmm. something that I've, I still say, I, I say it all the time to, especially to younger people who are seeking some type of advice or guidance. I'm like, I, I have no idea what I want to be when I grow up. Hmm. And this last year for most people I know that have immersed themselves in this space, they went from having a regular day job, a consistent job like myself, where they were known and identified as one thing and are now saying, I pretty much allocate the entirety of myself to NFTs, Web3, decentralization, trying to figure out what this next thing is for all of us. And so I'm a community builder and I guess I'm just a, uh, I'm here for the conversation. I just show up every day for the conversation. Identity is interesting now with Web3 because it, I think it also allows people to work and jump in between so many different projects as well. Mm. So it's mm -hmm. like, to your point, a, a short like bio is harder to have now because it's yeah. it's so diverse. It seems, totally. I I'm, I'm apologize for interrupting, but it just seems that the things that I was intent and emphatic about a year ago, especially two years ago, are from another time and from a distant planet and mm. just seem very almost obsolete or antiquated in comparison to what we're building right now. 
And um, I don't know what that, I, I feel like no matter what industry you're in, if you're delving into this technology and the opportunities it can afford, whatever you were doing in the past, it's not that it's dead, but it might find a newer second life in, in this future that we're, we're trying to figure out. So it's just like the old way of doing things. It just seems so old, not, not a year old or two years old. Now it seems like that was from 20 years ago. That's how much information mm. I feel has been passed around over the last 12 months. It's hard to go back. It's impossible to unring that bell. Yeah. I'll never be able to unsee what I've seen, right? <laughs> well, and so what, what is that specifically? Because you've been a culture creator and curator for a really long time. And mm -hmm. I think you all represent the first real NFT project that like, I think bridges a lot of cultural intersections that is not yeah. pure internet that is actually has authenticity and legitimacy in like streetwear culture and so many other parts. Like mm -hmm. I, I actually believe, and you all are maybe the exception that proves the rule or, or uh, this is what I'd like to dig into. I actually think having a legacy brand is weirdly a liability in web three because mm -hmm. you feel like there's something to lose because, and this is where you're seeing video game companies right now terrified at the prospect, even social media companies terrified at the prospect of adapting or adopting rather web three, maybe because their user base is upset, maybe because, well, for all kinds of reasons, but how have you brought your original community, the true believers along for this ride? What are the things that you all have had to think about and do that? Like if I were starting just a simple profile pick project tomorrow, I wouldn't have to think about because I wouldn't have an audience that already sort of loved my brand and everything else. It's so it's Alexis, everything you said is, is very accurate. We came into this space thinking that because we have a legacy and a history, we have experience in mm -hmm. having built this brand over the last 18 years, that would be to our greatest advantage. And in many ways it is in, in the ways of, look, we, you have trust built into the system. We have uh, a something to lose. And so this isn't a cash grab for us. Mm -hmm. um, all these other NFT projects are trying to move into being brands, you know, whether it's through producing soft goods, merch and apparel to, you know, establishing infrastructure of a company and, and figuring out how staffing works, management. And we already have all of that. And so if you're going to bet on anyone, you know, if you're going to, if you're going to collect anyone's project, why wouldn't it be ours? The artwork comes with a rich history. There's already associations tied to most of the art. People have been collecting them since they were children around the world. So there's strong emotional connection. So all of these attributes of the hundreds and our experience and our knowledge we were bringing to the table. We're like, this is all to our benefit. But what we underestimated, and I think didn't necessarily appreciate as much as we do now, is that we are also entering and treading into a space where all of those things were not necessarily antithetical, but weren't exactly the most 
conducive to Web3 philosophy, right? Because there are founder-led companies, founder-led brands that were established around essentially being walled gardens like these gaming companies. And that was how the philosophy went, especially during Web2. But what people also don't realize maybe uh, if they're new to the hundreds or to us and they're learning about us really just through Adam Bomb Squad is that we're actually a Web1 company. Uh, we are entirely, oh, you know, oh, founded on decentralized principles and we went through web two, but I never really felt comfortable in web two or felt like we were our, our true realized selves in web mm. two. It never really necessarily aligned, especially with social because we're really built on blogs. And the way that our initial blogging system was set up was that it was my direct voice with the people. And then we gave, gave the people their own blogs. And so it was, we were all on the same page and me growing up in the punk and the hardcore scene, mm -hmm. I didn't want a stage. I wanted to be on the floor in the mosh pit with everyone mm -hmm. else and the microphone gets shared and passed around. I just didn't have the means or the technological know-how on how we could all participate and rise up together. And so I was doing it from within our brand and other brands trying to establish our community. And so if there's any web two we're not even a Web2 brand. If there's any Web2 company that I feel is not only sympathetic to what's happening with Web3 and decentralization, but really embodies that spirit, I think it's us. You know, I, I, I literally wrote the book on building brands yes. around community, yeah. right? And so when you get inside of the hundreds and you're figuring out how our wheels turn, what really makes us tick, the entire thing is established on building community. We wouldn't be here if we hadn't set the company, the community that way. Um, on Fairfax with all the other competitor brands of ours, it was never about us just being the winner. Um, us investing so heavily in collaborations since mm. we started was entirely that, was that in telling someone else's story, we tell a little bit of our story. And we are all uh, symbiotic. We are all part of this ecosystem together. And so as the tide rises, you know, we lift all the boats together. It was, that's mm. always been the mindset. We were doing it within the industry and now we're doing it within our actual immediate communities and customer bases. And so just to bring it full circle to your point about, you know, having to, a lot of these companies establish legacy brands are looking at Web3 and NFTs and they're scared because they have something to lose. Hmm. And for me, it's actually quite galvanizing and inspiring to to think that every single day I might lose this company entirely to the community, hmm. right? Like that to me is electrifying, that thought. And I wanna get it to a point where that, I don't know if that's tomorrow, I don't know if that's in a hundred years, but that's the most beautiful moment when we can fully lose ourselves, you know, to the community and everything is entirely decentralized. Um, and so giving like- Giving me if, Reddit vibes. <laughs> yeah. I, I feel, I'm and, feeling you, man. Yeah. Yeah. It has to get there. Hmm. It has to. It's the only way all signs point in that direction. Hmm. They tried so hard to make it the other way hmm. for the last 10, 15 years. And it caused a lot of distress and was entirely unnatural. And, you know, it, it was, it made me unhappy. Hmm. I li I've lived with a lot of guilt and a lot weighing on my conscience over the last, you know, 10, 15 years. And I talk about this at length. I talk about it in my book. I've spoken about it for years that here I am just convincing young people that they aren't enough unless they have this project product. And it's mm. great streetwear, fashion, design, what that lends to humans is invaluable, right? I'm, I'm a big believer in all of these things. 
But when it's a one-way exchange, you know, it's a completely asymmetrical exchange between a consumer and a brand. Um, that never really quite sat right with me, even when I was a kid wearing t-shirt mm. brands on my back. That mm. here I am being a walking billboard for someone else's company. Dude, dude, this you is... Know? So my version of this was telling startup CEOs to take merch really seriously and know that it's a privilege to have someone be willing yep. to take and wear your merch, let alone pay for it, right? But even back in 05, startup founders would be throwing out shirts to people being like, here you go, and it'd be crappy quality, they'd look bad. Like, and it's, it's so disrespectful to say and, and expect like it's you're going to give up your torso swag and merch mm. like yeah. i think there's a fundamental yeah. difference between Stuff companies we all get who versus just call merch. it swag versus yeah. companies yeah. that call it merch it's like it has to be high quality stuff that represent this represents your brand 100 and if you're going to put really bad quality things out there that's what you're promoting your brand to be yeah and mm. we've always um you know endowed upon the community this sense of ownership they've always felt like they own this brand right that's yeah. i talk about this in my white paper but why do people buy brands right they buy it for a community they buy it for identity and they buy it because they have a sense of ownership but not real true ownership yeah and so when young people are getting my logo tattooed on them which has happened since we started thousands of kids around the world a lot of travis scott yg they all have our logo tattooed on them it's not that they're a huge you know, supporter or fan necessarily just of me, they feel like the brand belongs to them. Mm. But in reality, it never did. It always belonged to me, right? And so I'm out there proselytizing the brand as, oh, we're a community, we're a community. I wrote a book about it, but really I was still the owner. So how is, is, is there a way where we can all feel, not just feel, but actually have mm. or maintain some sense of real ownership in a brand's upside and success and when it's having hard times that we all go through together because i cannot do it alone mm -hmm. it's yep. such a lonely journey to build these brands and to be entrepreneurs and there's great upsides in terms of oh you're going to make a lot of money for yourself whatever it's not a, most entrepreneurs aren't doing it just for that they're doing it because they really believe in a vision and something is missing if the community isn't there to help them and to be there alongside them it's one of the most wonderful parts of doing this project, we're only a couple months in, but the work is overwhelming. It's I'm not enough, right? One body, like I'm not enough in, to hold this thing up. And so to watch the community come through and they're setting up their own podcast series that run alongside mine, mm. right? They're having their own events. They're having, they're setting up their own games within discord and build. There's a, one person in our community who's developed an entire app, right? And it's like an amazing app that's gamifying on a bomb squad, things I could have never done. I could have never imagined, let alone I could have never physically done it myself. And they're doing it and they're doing it not because they're trying. At first I felt, oh my God, I felt a little bit guilty. Like, why are you doing this all for me? Why all for me? And they're like, all for you, <laughs> you, I'm sorry. Like, but like, you know, screw you, it's not for you. Yeah. This is for us. This is for all of us. This is for the community. Like we need to all chip in. We're all rowing the boat. Mm -hmm. Oh my God. That's so powerful to hear as a business, as a brand owner, as an entrepreneur, where People are alongside you saying, I don't work for you. I don't, I'm not your fan. We're all in this together. We're all equally invested. Whether I dropped $5 in here, 0.005 ETH, or I dropped five ETH in here, we're all equally invested because that meant something to us. And my time and my energy and attention spent in this discord following a lot, like we're all in this together. Like, wow, I love then that. I feel invincible. Yeah. I feel invincible because the scariest thing to me is when Steve Jobs died, I said, 
holy crap, this is a problem because that entire brand and company at that point in time, in my opinion, as a consumer was centered and scaffolded around one man. Mm. And I said, at some point I'm going to die, right? I'm not getting any younger, right? And I want this thing to live for hundreds of years, mm. right? And at some point I'm going to leave. And does that mean that it disappears with me? I think for some founders and entrepreneurs, that might be the th exact thing that they want. They want the whole thing to come crashing down with them because they want everyone to remember how amazing they were. I'm the opposite, <laughs> right? Like I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm a mere person. I'm not, I'm really not that interesting or exciting of a, mm. of a human, but mm. I think what the brand is and the community is, is very special and unique in history. And I don't I ever that. want that to die, right? Like I'm yeah. as much of a fan of it as anyone else. What happens if I leave? What happens if I burn out? I have a mental breakdown. What happens if some, I get sick, unhealthy? What if I leave the earth? What happens to this? That scares the crap out of me. <laughs> and mm. now I don't ever have to worry about that. That's how yes. I feel right now. Yeah. I feel I'm, a, I'm I feel like the brand is immortal because it's not just going to be, and it'll be, it's not just me. It's not just these community members. It'll get passed down through generations. The technology lives forever. So the brand lives forever now. That's how I feel. I love that. Yes. That is the mindset. I wanna, I yeah. wanna dig into how you're thinking about building this into a more decentralized organization. But first, to rewind, Bobby, how'd you first get into NFTs, and what helped you understand them? Yeah, uh, this time last year, almost to the day, there was some news about Beeple and a sale, and Trevor McFadries, um, yep. who everyone knows now as friends with benefits. Back then, hmm. everyone knew him then for different reasons. Yeah. For like Will Michaela and other all the cool things yeah. he's done in the past. I'm I know him just as Trevor and Skeet because he used to hang out at the shop Young when Skeet. we started. So he's he's been a part of the crew since the start. And Trevor yeah. tweeted it. You know, we're coming off of the election, and there's a little bit of a, a vacuum in, in terms of the Twitter discourse at that time, right? Because for four years, mm. arguably longer, it had been centered around one type of conversation. And so I'm still on Twitter every day. I still love Twitter. I feel like it's the alpha and omega of all social. And he drops that tweet in and I'm open and receptive to it in a way where I think the month before, which was around the election, I wouldn't have been receptive to it, but I was open. Yeah. And it's talking about the Beeple sale and it doesn't make any sense to me. And it scared me, right? Well, first of all, Why I got really you? mad about it, <laughs> right? Because the number it's was so big. The number was so big, mm -hmm. which compared, you know, I think there was just a $10 million punk sale. So nothing is now that's relative. What's big <laughs> right. in terms of NFT stuff. It's just like, Oh, $10 million punk sale. <laughs> <laughs> just a Tuesday. But for a JPEG selling for X, you know, what was it? $6 million or something. It number one, it, 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 it made me a little upset and mad. Mm. And then it made me a little scared. And that's when I was curious because I was just like, okay, I'm feeling a certain way reading mm. this. I need to know more to either get ahead of it, to dismiss it from my mind, but I, I won't love let you this go. for thinking that way. I think, I think like that with everything, nothing makes me more freaked out than young people because they make me feel irrelevant <laughs> and they're pushing me out of the relevance window every single day. Mm. And so I dive in and I spend as much time with them, right? Because I need to know they need to help me understand. And I have all my fears in life are drowning public speaking and going to the dentist. And so I go to the dentist twice a year, <laughs> surf every single day. And I do as much public speaking as possible. Like uh, what I'm doing with you right good. now, it's frightening. Like my whole back is sweating, but I force myself to do it hmm. 
so that I feel some semblance of control over the situation. I love it. I respect the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> but the same thing happened with the people sale where I was like, it's making my back a little sweaty. I feel like I don't understand. Am I aged out of this? Am I, am I not in the conversation? Let me in. And I hit up Trevor. And I said, explain this to me. And he explained it. I was more confused and I got even more angry mm. about it. And then I said, let me talk to someone else. And he said, talk to D from Zora. And I sat with D from Zora. And I think my entry point in and what really started to inspire me, well, there was a number of things, but one of them was I was just looking at it as an artist first. And I think a lot of people were at that time. It wasn't, NFTs weren't this day tradey investment stock type thing it turned into over the summer. At that time, it was a resource for a lot of artists to be able to get their work seen circumvent the gatekeepers mm -hmm. and then also like provenance and then also uh, maintain some royalties right in secondary sales and so there was a lot of frustration that i had felt as an artist my entire life i've been trying to build my art career i had to pivot and use a streetwear brand to do it but i want to be known and remembered as an artist as a photographer and all these things but there were all these gates in between that kept me out and nfts from what i was seeing were breaking down a lot of those walls so then i was in i was just like not only is it going to help me it's going to help all the other young artists that we work with that we surround ourselves with that i see are also being kept out of the room right so if it's going to help me and the, the community all right i'm in i looked at it also because of what i touched on earlier I always felt this imbalanced relationship between myself and my consumers. And I was like, maybe this is a way where we can all share in the upside of a brand success and we can all be in it together. Like truly, truly have some ownership instead of, oh, I feel like I'm a part of the brand, right? And, and, and then I think third, I've always been a little bit curious about tech because I'm not a tech guy, right? And the t NFT or crypto up until that point to me, represented two things that I was highly allergic to. Number one was tech and number two is finance. I hate both of those things. I feel I'm the stupidest person in the room with both of those subjects. And so NFTs made it palatable to me because it was spoken through the lens of art and, collect and collecting and culture and community. And I was like, those things I do and I know and I understand. And so if I can understand these other parts, maybe it'll help me understand this part. And so I think looking at it from a lens of, I don't understand tech or finance, but art is going to help me. Community and culture are going to help me get there. That was very appealing to me. And that's where I'm at today. I love that. 12 months later, I feel like I've moved an inch. 12 months later, and you have Adam Bomb Squad, which that's is right. an incredible community that you've built with what, over 48 million in total sales volume now? Like, how does that compare to building the hundreds as a brand? Because this is a whole new brand that lives under kind of the hundreds brand that you've, you've built in the past. But how have you seen are like the big start differences in, in yeah. building these brands? Well, I, I pause to say that it's a brand in the way that I've always, always understood brands and branding. When I see a lot of NFT projects out there and they're striving to be brands or they liken themselves to other brands, right? There's a lot of Supreme comparisons, like who's the Supreme. Mm. It's really hard for me to reconcile those two things because the way I've always understood brands is brands, number one, they take time mm. and there's been no time, right? And brands just have certain narratives and arcs and 
There's a lot that goes into brands. A lot of, a lot of branding is about discipline. A lot of branding is about saying no. A lot of branding is about um, just really like measured breaths, right? And I haven't seen any of that really this year. And so Adam Bomb Squad is a brand more or less, but I'll be more keen to say that in a few years time, if not like 10 years. I think right now what it is, it's, it's a community aspect. It's a culture aspect. It's a movement aspect associated under the hundreds. And the hundreds, when we speak on it, has never just been about clothing. It's not just streetwear. That's why my book is called This Is Not A T-Shirt. It's really not to do with the cotton. The hundreds is a lifestyle. We always called it a lifestyle. The hundreds is the people. The hundreds is an attitude, right? And so Adam Bomb Squad is a way of congealing the culture side, the community aspect of it, where there's, again, those three things those three things associated with branding, community identity and ownership, like we can actually realize all three of the things within Adam Bomb Squad. But over time, yes, uh, do I want Adam Bomb Squad to be known as a brand? Uh-huh, for sure. But it's, I'm not kidding anyone, just because some people within the NFT echo chamber know what, the, what Adam Bomb Squad is, um, does not mean, first of all, most people on NFTs have never heard of it still, most people, from within the hundreds universe have never heard of it. Even my own personal friends who I talk to regularly hit me up every day and say, Hey, have you heard about NFTs? When are you guys going to do NFTs? We're it's still shocking early. to me. <laughs> We're still so wow. early. Yeah. Still so early. So, early. so they don't know what Adam bomb squad is. The world <laughs> doesn't, and it'll take time. And if you really want to speak on brands, they just require time and discipline, passion and patience is what I mm. always say. You need passion and patience. And can you sustain the passion over long periods of time, especially long drought? Then you have a brand. But the way that a lot of projects are going right now, which mm. is to me, fast rise, fast demise. Everything mm -hmm. is very frothy. Everything is excitable, excited, hype fueled. We've seen all that. I've done that before. Fashion has done that. It's even faster mm. now because of the technology. It's expedited. I've seen it all with streetwear. And there are seasons where you're like, this is it. This brand is forever. This is the one. And two years later, I'll see you at the next stop and half of those brands won't be there. And so I'm not interested in calling Anna Bomb Squad necessarily a brand yet. Like I call the hundreds a brand because we've been around for 18 years. And to me, that's still not nearly enough. High bar. <laughs> But I think that's the mindset you got to have and that you're bringing to it that the average project isn't like there's to be clear, right? There are so, so, so many of these NFT projects that are they're they're short term, they're cash grabs, you know, 99.9% .9 of them in a few years even are going to be worthless. Yeah. And, and, and that's going to give, you know, unfortunately, that's going to give a reputation to the broader space. That is unfair, but it's going to malign it just because, you know, there are short-term greedy folks who are just doing this to make a, make a quick buck. We saw it again with streetwear, our generation, which was arguably the third or th the second or third wave of streetwear. It was very cash grabby. There were people who were genu genuinely interested in building lifelong brands. Like when we started, we said, oh, we want to be like Levi's. We never took outside money. You know, mm -hmm. we fully bootstrapped a thing because we wanted to move very organically and authentically. And we wanted to maintain some kind of control over the brand. And then we saw a lot of people sell out and a lot mm -hmm. of people grab that cash. And I'll say in their defense and... I see it still even within this space with a lot of these projects. A lot of them aren't even maliciously doing so. 
Mm. They think that this is what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to take this money and, and, and this is how it moves and we're supposed to move this fast and they are going to burn out and it will look cash grabby. But I don't think they came into it necessarily thinking that. I think they have a drop and they get on the other side of that drop and are like, oh my gosh, this is a giant mountain that we have to climb. And they think that leading up to the drop that this is all that matters. So I got to get over this little hill. It's like... um there's a meme of a surfer going over one small wave and at Nazare and there's like a hundred foot wave coming up behind it. Yeah. That's what this is. And most people don't know mm. that I didn't even fully mm. appreciate what was on the other side of that release until I got over that first hill. And I was like, Oh my mm. gosh, There's I just more. opened up a whole can of worms. I'm, I'm starting at zero. I'm actually starting behind zero and mm. I got a hundred years, 50 years, 75 years to build into this. But for me, since I've already gone through that, I was just like, okay, I'm already doing that anyways. Mm. And I'm accustomed to this lifestyle where 24 hours, seven days a week, I'm pouring myself into the project and constantly innovating and adapting. But I think for a lot of people who were like, oh, the sale is the big hit. And then, you know, mm. the success <laughs> is we sold out of them or we sold a oh. certain amount of them and that's a success. Mm. Um, Gonna have a bad time. I don't think that they were prepared <laughs> and I don't think they'll ever quite be prepared mm. because building a brand in reverse uh, I would have never been able to do it when I was 23 years old. Mm. If at 23 years old, someone came along and said, here's a mm. hundred million dollars and now build your brand in reverse and now prove yourself to that hundred million dollars. Mm. Wow. That's we never had that pressure. Yeah. We never had that yeah. type of scrutiny. That's the liability of had. having the high expectations and all the sort of money up front. Yep. You don't have to it's grind really, in the same way. It's near impossible in my opinion for hmm. artists to be able to perform to their full potential under the weight of that pressure, under the scrutiny of shareholders, let alone thousands of them. And third, which is probably the hardest part of it all, because we didn't grow up under this, like my partner, Ben and I, hmm. but the watchful gaze of the internet 24 hmm. hours a day, and you're hearing all the Everything. feedback yeah. all the time. Markets never sleep. And the, the greatest thing that ever hmm. happened for the hundreds was we started a few years before social started. Mm -hmm. So we were singing in the shower, right? We had blinders <laughs> on. We we didn't know what we sounded like. Mm -hmm. We did it because we believed in it. We didn't listen to anyone's thoughts. We had one hater every now and then that would pop up on a message board. Mm -hmm. And that was enough to disrupt my entire day. Mm -hmm. Now, starting a brand, let alone being given $100 million, $100 million of someone's money and being like, now prove yourself. And thousands of people going like, where's my money on top of you? How is an artist supposed to perform and execute anything that they want to do? Because mm. they have to sit, sit there and do social maintenance, calm people's fears, alleviate FUD. When the artist's job right. and the creator's job is to sit in a dark room and dream and realize and think positively and create. So it's, it's, it's very hard. And I feel, I feel it for a lot of NFT projects out there. And, you know, I know it's hard to feel bad for people who've made a lot of money, but... I'm telling you, for some of these people that I've talked to behind these projects, mm -hmm. they would turn it all back in in a heartbeat. You know, they would. They really it's, would. Yeah. It's interesting because to your point, it's like these creators, these artists, they don't have time to create anymore. Like they're managing yeah. comms full time now. They have 100%. to be. They have to be the face of it. Mm. Um, yeah. Otherwise, the community is going to be mad if you're not responding. But also, it's like the sale isn't the end. The sale means you now owe everyone something. Yes. Yeah. Right. 
That's the difference. It's just the start. It's just, it's just the, start. the start. And and you right? No one thinks about this when they get into creating NFT projects. All they think about is the bag. Mm. But we couldn't do that yeah. because when we were coming in, we have a reputation to uphold, right? Right. Dude, this I've is spent the, 18 this is years establishing my credibility in the space, and my life is on. Like I'm not an anon. Mm. Like you see my face, <laughs> I put it out there. Yeah. Like, if you want to know where I am, you can find me every single day. Like, I'm here. I can't mm. disappear. Mm. And nor do I want to, but I'm not going anywhere. And I have 18 years of work that I'm very proud of that I don't want, you know, any negativity to eclipse. And so that to us was is a real blessing because we are held accountable mm. every day in this work. We are held accountable. We have to show up. And not because the community is breathing down our neck and telling us and screaming at us that we have to do X, Y, Z. We show up because we show up for ourselves because we have to prove it to ourselves. Like I need to sleep at night, not because I upset someone in the community, but I don't want to upset myself. Like I don't want to disappoint my family. And so we have that. And to me, it's a gift. I think it can be crippling for some people, but for us, it's a real gift because I show up to perform, right? Like I do it for me. And then I think that trickles down to the rest of the community. But I'm out here every day to prove it to me that I can do it. As you guys become more decentralized or aim to do so, how do you think about maintaining that brand quality and that bar yeah. of super, super curated brand control that you've done over the past decade of building yeah. your brand? Because I think that's the biggest question, right? And it goes back to what you were saying earlier, where this is the most important thing. Projects or companies that have started this year, uh, I guess they're company, technically companies now, these like NFT projects, uh, with the amount of money they have in treasury, it's still too early for them to be considered uh, a brand per your definition. And so how do you think about that as this becomes more and more decentralized? I remember when we started the company, um, it was a very selfish project. And I think many young entrepreneurs, they start their projects it's coming from a very selfish place. They don't hear their voice necessarily out there. They don't see themselves represented. They have an opinion on something that's not being warranted or received. And so they step up and say, hey, my art belongs here. I'm just as good as anyone else. I can do that better. No one's listening mm -hmm. to me, right? That's why I started even building this brand was I was like, everything else that's out there is garbage. My art is better. It needs to be seen. It's a shame and it's a disservice, right? This is my ego telling me like the world needs you. The world is not enough without you in there. And so I start this project from a purely egotistical, selfish point of view, yes. right? As a creator, as a creator and as artist. And one day, Ben, my business partner comes over and is just like, you need to hire someone to help you do your art. And I said, no, this mm. is my art. And he said, well, you're holding us back because you're only turning out t 10 t-shirt graphics a week. I need 20. And I was just like, no, I don't want to compromise my art. I'd rather hold us back and keep it slow and keep it pure. And he's just like, that's fine, but we're never going to grow. And we're never mm. going to be the successful brand you want to be unless you hire someone and you train someone to take on some of your duties and delegate. And it took me a while to finally do it. And I started hiring designers under me and started building a team. And the work was never good enough. And to this day, it's never exactly held up to the standards that I've wanted, right? It's frustrating as an artist owner because you're never going to get the results that you want, the 110% exactly how you would do it because there's no one else like you. You hire these people 
to come work with you, not for you, because they collaborate with you on their versions and interpretations of what those designs should be. And so then I didn't appreciate this till years in. For the first few years, I was like, this is not good. This is kind of like a substandard. This is a sub Bobby version of the hundreds. This is not exactly how we do it. Mm. Bro, it was never about you. <laughs> this project was never about you. It left your mind and it entered the universe. And the, the day that you sell one t-shirt, you sell one NFT out there, it doesn't belong mm. to you anymore. You think it belongs to you because the money comes to you. The brand does not belong to you. That's why people get it tat tattooed on you. It has nothing to do with you, dude. Yeah. It has to do with their emotional associations with whatever they were going through that time in high school. And they were wearing that t-shirt and they're like, I want to get that tattooed on me. That has nothing to do with you, right? So you have to get past that as a founder and as a creator. Hmm. You have to understand that, that it has nothing to do with you. And so I started looking at the brand and the breadth of work that we were putting out. And I was just like, you know what? I would have never designed that jacket that way. That was a compromise that mm. I had with some of the design team here. They wanted it green. I wanted it red. It's not a compromise. It's a collaboration, right? Mm. And now mm. the brand is stronger because it's a mosaic of my vision and all these other talented people who are honestly better at their jobs, younger, mm. their ears are to the ground, they're fresher, they're more spirited and engaged and inspired to do the work than I could ever be being a 41 year old washed up dad, you know, trying to run a business, still trying mm. to be the cool artist, like out in the streets. <laughs> like, no, of course you don't want that. You want to know mm. what kind of clothing I'm going to design by myself. It's awful. Mm. Thank God I have a team. And so I only bring that story up that anecdote, the anecdote up because I think the same way with this project, right? The more decentralized we get, they're going to look to me as a North star, right? I'm the inspiration. I'm the Walt Disney of it. What would Walt do? What would Walt do? Not Walt, get down and you do it yourself, but what would Walt do? Mm. And what in my mind would Walt do? And whatever you think what Walt Disney would do is not necessarily what he would do, right? Like for all we know, Walt Disney was like a horrible person. By some accounts, he was. Sounds like he might right? have been. Yeah. <laughs> right? It, right? Yes. I've read, I've, I've read yeah, a lot about yeah, Walt Disney. Yeah. We don't really want Walt to do what Walt does. We want to do what? You, Tiffany, and what you, Alexis, would think mm. Walt would do and do that, right? And so I'm only one small piece. I represent like a North Star where it's like, okay, try to stay within that realm. Mm. But we want your voices in here, man. Like this is what makes the brand so strong. And the coolest part about the hundreds is in every season, every generation of different staff, you know who was working at that time. It's moved. The personality of it has changed. The texture of it has changed. I love that. It's not just the story of me. It's really the story of the community. It was a small staff at the time. And now with Adam Bomb Squad, we have thousands of people who are lending their voices and adding to the texture of what it is. And I'm just kind of like an idea, right? Mm. Yeah. In the floating I in their head. I love that. I love that. It's, it's really about building something greater than yourself, ultimately, whether you're a startup founder, whether you're creating mm. an NFT project, whether you're creating a brand. And I, I say this to a lot of content creators as well, because a lot of content creators, they think very one dimensional and they're like, Hey, I assume my shelf life is going to be a few years. And that's that. I'm like, no, you have to think about your community. Mm. If you want this to be a long-term thing, like you have to think holistically about this and you have to make this greater than yourself. They can't just come to this community because it's you, but because you represent something that they're passionate about. But it's romantic to think so, yeah. but it's, it's transcendent, right? It's transcendent. Yeah. If you yeah. want to do an art project, that's just you selfish, you 
stay in your basement and do that. Those are called hobbies. <laughs> those are ho- those yes. are hobbies. Yeah. We all have a hobby, right? Get them, Bobby. Yeah. Right? Ah. Do that. Do that. Mm. That's self-satisfying. That's for you to have a release. <laughs> but mm. if you're out here to to create something that everyone can partake in and benefits the world. Like I have a line that real artists make the world look better than not themselves. Like hmm. your job is to make the world look better. That's why we have art. It's not yeah. for you. It's for everyone. So you have to think that. in terms of that in building com- companies too now, in my opinion. I love that basement hobby example you just said. It makes a lot of sense. And with that, we have one last question, which is if you're stranded on an island, what NFT would you bring? It can be your collection or any NFT in the world. Oh my gosh. Um, I mean, I would never leave Adam Bomb Squad. I have, um, there's an essay I wrote. Uh, it's called The Robots. I minted it early in the year. It's one of my favorite things I've ever written. And it just kind of shares my point of view on what makes human beings special in contrast to AI and machines and robots and um and the the moral of the story is it's it's really our imperfections right Mm. and um we have those in order to help heal each other and robots Mm. don't need that because robots are perfect and we always think we want perfection but Mm. really what makes us special is that we're imperfect so i wrote this essay and it does it never really went far i've been shopping around i try to get it sold through publisher i I put it up as i minted as an nft i got a couple bids it kind of died and I still read that thing all the time and I love it. And a few people really understood, like Hassan Minhaj like DM'd mm. me once and was like, dude, this thing is crazy. And I'm like, mm. yeah, that's the one piece of writing that I'm most proud of that one day I'll get recognized for. And it's just buried somewhere. It'll, you can see it on my OpenSea, but it's just buried there. And um, I'm really proud of it. And I'm not proud of it because it sold for $10 million, like a crypto punk, mm. <laughs> you know, I'm not proud of it because I sold 25,000 of them like Adam bomb squad and they sold on day. It's nothing to do with that. I'm proud of it because it, it really means something to me. And, and, um, and I believe in it, you know, so I love it. It's probably the robots essay. I will hmm. go and read that here. here. Okay. <laughs> it sounds amazing. Here, here. Um, thank you guys for the time today. This is a lot of fun. Thanks, Bobby. Bobby. I have a it's lot awesome, of, Bobby. I have a lot of questions for you. We'll kick it in LA. Okay. Um, yeah. I'm gonna buy some more uh, Adam Bob Squad. <laughs> oh no, Alexis, you gotta people... buy Alexis. You gotta go buy the robot now. Like you gotta go buy the the robot right? story. Right. I'll never sell it. Maybe that's what it is too. I'm mm. like, I won't accept any, but it's priceless. Okay, challenge oh. accepted. Challenge accepted. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> but seriously, thank you, Bobby. This is great. I love you guys. Thank I love you, you guys. so much. Thank you.